Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Good afternoon and welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name, of course, is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind these enemy lines. Today's date is April 3rd, 2015. Hope that you all had a productive week. Of course, my week never ends. There's always something um, that needs to be done. Certainly appreciate the help I've been getting lately. You know who you are. Today's program, we don't have um, a guest for this first segment, but we will be joined at around 5 o'clock by Mr. Lasana Jasfora. He's been on the program in the past, unfortunately, you know, coming on to talk about his son who was gunned down by a Jackson, Tennessee police officer. Uh, we published the video. I, I wasn't even aware that this video had been published um and so i gotta look at it today and i gotta say it pretty much confirms what the witnesses uh in the case stated about the young man being on the ground uh before being shot in his back while he was on the ground while he was on the ground and the video pretty much confirms that so he'll be coming on uh mr lasana jasper and he's going to discuss a fundraiser that he is holding on behalf of his son like a legal fund to help seek justice on behalf of his son. Um, the district attorney of Jacksonville has already announced, or Jackson, I'm sorry, not Jacksonville, but Jackson has announced that they will not press charges against this officer. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to uh, speak to him about that. And I have some commentary after I speak to him about some things. Um, just in, in general, just in general about how, um, this nation, how the police, how the prison system deals with people who have me- mental, uh, illness, who may have emotional instability. And the answer is not to gun them down in the street. Speaking of gunning down people in the street, we will reflect on the day's casualty report. 
see if there are any updates to yesterday's uh, casualty report on killed by police and see how many people have been killed today on April the 3rd by the police. So, yeah, we're definitely going to continue to make that a daily part of this program or a regular segment, I should say. Looking at the casualty reports from Battlefield America because that is exactly uh, what it is. That is exactly why we see so many people being killed, so many people being injured. It is a battlefield out there. Not trying to scare anyone, just trying to make you aware of the reality that you might have been blocking out. So uh, we want to look at the casualty report, see how many people police have killed, and check out also some of the social media news feeds of, of the different programs because, you know, we have different people, Max, Johanan, uh, others who maintain Facebook pages and, and share the information, much of the same information that they share on the programs, things that I share as well to the Black Talk Radio Network main feed. So we'll take a look at the news feed, see if anything stands out, see if there's anything that uh, people should be made aware of. Uh, issue number two, issue number two of the 2015 Racism Terrorism Report, volume number one, was published yesterday. There was some problems with it. Um, I don't know how it got unpublished, but I got an email saying that um, the the page could not be found so I thank you for alerting me and that that report has been published want to take a look at it um, already today I've already gotten some reports today so I can start on issue number three alright so we want to look at uh, issue, some of the stories reported in issue number two of the 2015 racism terrorism report one thing I do remember from that report that stood out is that there were a lot of of reports on racist activity on college campuses and and so yeah we definitely again want to make that a regular segment of this program as well uh do want to let you know as always where there is no scheduled guest the listener is the guest if there's anything you want to share any information uh, that you want to convey to the listeners and myself anything you want to comment on anything you want to question you can give us a call at 530-881-1400 the access code of course is 549-032-POUND once you are in the conference line, you make the decision just listen, as many people do, because they don't have smartphones and, and whatnot, or computers. But um, yeah, you just hit star six and one if you want to let me know that, hey, uh, Sc Scotty, some people call me Mr. Reed, um, I have something I would like to put out, all right, so yeah. Now, I, the the basic general question that I want to ask is I was reflecting on our interview yesterday. We did two uh, interviews yesterday. Both of them, you know, I felt like, particularly uh, the one with Mr. Chet Six, I think that was uh, 
pretty interesting uh, when when you start analyzing and gathering intelligence and I mean that's pretty much what we do but the way that he analyzed it and said that you know it appears that we are moving into a new age moving out of the information age into the empowerment enlightenment um age so if you missed that that is uh posted in the archives for Black Talk Radio News right there on blacktalkradionetwork.com as well as um, some other outlets as well but the first interview that I did is the one that I want to um, to focus on because we had uh, Miss Mary Sanchez on she's a syndicated columnist and I came across her column which was syndicated on a, a Kansas City newspaper Kansas City, Missouri and and some things that she had talked about in terms of first of all she writes a lot about police issue policing I guess we could call it slave patrolling is what I call it but she writes a lot of, uh, about that and she you know indicated that she knows a lot of cops well I'm not going to say a lot of cops but she knows some cops she has some cop friends in her circle and she was saying yesterday you know how they were mortified, mortified at what they re- read in the Department of Justice Ferguson report of the systemic racism, the RICO Act violations, the revenue generating schemes that, and said that, you know, the officers that she know were mortified and that, you know, there are good cops. And, and I'm not trying to dispute that there are not good people who go into policing with good intents. They really do want to protect and serve. But once they put on that uniform, they cease to be individuals and they, they become a representative, an employee of, of, of the system. And so we have these corrupt police departments all around the country. We have police, I mean, excuse me, corrupt uh, prison systems, prison plantations, and whatnot. Some states are just really known for their brutality and murdering prisoners, like Florida. But if the system is corrupt, doesn't that, I mean, logically, doesn't that mean the people who make up the system are corrupt? Because, see, I, what I'm starting to, to perceive, or my, you know, my perception of, of the conversation is that too often we want to talk about corrupt systems and we need to change that whether we're talking about a police department a local jail city council u.s senate you know highest offices of land but when we start talking about any in the system being corrupt i think that we take the responsibility off of the individuals who make up the system. It's easy to blame a nameless system. I mean, yeah, the system has a name. It's called USA Inc. All right. You can call it Alabama, you know, whatever the name of the system is. But that, you know, you can't indict a system. How do you put a system on trial? How do you punish a system? And of course we talked about, you know, it was brought up consent orders and consent decrees and that's where the federal government comes in and take over your police department or even disband it as, as, uh, Eric Holder threatened to do with Ferguson police department. If need be, he said, 
So, but when there are no criminal charges against the individuals who are running these individual police departments, running these uh, municipal courts, running a prison or running a jail, and when we find when a Department of Justice puts out a report like it has on Ferguson and many other cities as well. Ferguson ain't the first place to to uh, face the so-called uh, raft of the feds. This goes back, we can go back decades and decades. I, I, I can take you back to 1978. I found an archive of an old newspaper article that somebody put online from Philadelphia. Back in the 1970s, you know when Mumia Abu-Jamal was active, when when uh, the MOVE organization was active, and I was doing some research on, on the MOVE, right, the MOVE 9 political prisoners. Their house was bombed by, you know, Philadelphia City Police and really the entire city because the, the mayor made the decision. But I, I was doing research and I came across this old newspaper article that said in the 1970s, the Philadelphia Police Department was being sued by the Department of Justice for practicing racism and, and extreme police brutality. You can, if you don't believe me, do your own research. But I have no reason to lie to you. And so here we see now in 2015, the Philadelphia Police Department going under a voluntary, something they requested, going under a voluntary uh, review by the Department of Justice. And it comes out and while it tries to say that racism isn't involved, but you're, you know, uh, use extreme force and you're poorly trained and blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah. At what point, at what point, I mean, that's another thing. They try to blame it on poor training. But it's the same training they've been getting for decades. These are the same. We've been seeing the same stuff over and over and over. The Justice Department for decades again. The earliest one I saw was in the 1970s where they come in. And, and what is the result after they leave? Or even in cases, they sometimes they're still there. The same old police brutality, the same old racism. And so I'm sure many of you have heard the definition of insanity. I've quoted it before. It's widely quoted by many people. But the definition is of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And we've seen the Department of Justice when it was not collaborating with police departments to violate the rights of people to target organizations like the Black Panther Party and, and black activists and even civil rights worker like Dr. King. So when the federal government isn't actually working with the police to violate our rights, when they come in and try to act like, okay, uh, we're going to do something about this. This is out of getting out of hand. And, and, and so we're going to come in and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to take over. We're going to put a person, assign a person to your station. And this person is supposed to be able to monitor you and uh, make sure you're not committing further violations. Now, again, this has been the process for decades. I don't know how far it goes back. I would say to the 60s. 
to where you actually had the federal government trying to do something because they were being forced to by what? Activists, by the people. Saying we this is inhumane, we're not going to take this treatment, we will shoot back, we will create self-defense, armed self-defense units, or we will march and shut down your commerce, we will stay sitting. That's the only reason federal government came in, because people forced them to. They didn't do it out of the goodness of J. Edgar Hoover's black heart. Yes, J. Edgar Hoover is rumored to be a black person, but anyway, that's not what I meant. His evil heart, that's a better word. No, that wasn't done out of, out of any kind of propensity to do good, to uphold justice and whatnot. No, people forced them to, just like it was forced, the issue was forced in Ferguson. And so if, if we expect things to change based on what the Department of Justice says and does, we're going to, you know, we might as well just call ourselves, we're just insane. We're insane. Sign me up for Prozac, whatever. Whatever treatment y'all use for insane people because, you know, I'm expecting different outcomes. I'm expecting the police to not gun down as many people in the street, not to use excessive force, not to practice racism and white supremacy in, in, and robbing black communities and, and other non-white communities of, of their hard-earned money by writing them tickets excessively and even, you know, lying and making up stuff. So when we don't hold these individuals accountable, because I think Ms. Sanchez was saying that, well, what are we going to do? Start putting the system on trial or or putting individuals, putting all these in? Yes, put them in, in jail. Put the individuals in prison. Put Tom Jackson in prison. The, the former police chief of Ferguson Police Department. Yes, he should be facing federal charges right now. Criminal charges that the Department of Justice report said that it found. And if that's what it takes, if jailing all of these people, these decision makers, those who, who have these titles of police chief, of police commissioner, deputy police chief, all, all of these people who are getting paid tens, you know, getting paid lots of money, sometimes six figures a year, making all this money. They are the, that's what they were hired to do, right? To run, to run the operations at the police department. And if the operations, if, if the operations show a pattern and practice of racism, then that's a reflection of on that police chief and he should be facing charges. And anybody else who openly engaged in these conspiracies like we saw in Ferguson, like we see in New York, like we see all over the United States. You can't, you know, hold, the only way you can hold a system accountable is to overthrow that system, to abolish that system. That's the only way. That means getting rid of every last single person who is part of the old regime in a position of power. That's the only way you can hold a system accountable. Now, if people want to work within the framework 
of the system. They're not ready for revolution, but they believe in law and order. They believe in the letter of the law. Then if you are not demanding that these people be prosecuted for these crimes against humanity, because that's what they are. If you are, you know, if, if, if the system if the people don't hold these corrupt people in the system accountable, then again, we get back to the question of insanity. We just hoping that we just elect the right politician or we elect the right sheriff or the right judge. And, and that may, that may work on a piecemeal basis, but that may work on an individual county. But when there is clear evidence like the Department of Justice says there is, as it documented in its 107-page report, then there has to be criminal prosecutions. If there are no criminal prosecutions for criminal violations, then the federal government needs to stop prosecuting everyone. Just stop. No, equal protection under the law, right? So if you're not going to prosecute these elected officials and appointed officials and, and what, they're too big to jail? Is that what you're telling us? Are they getting the, the corporate banker treatment? You know, where these financial institutions engage in all this fraud and, and cause people to lose their life savings, lose everything. And no one gets criminally prosecuted. That's what it seems like. It's happening in too many cases where the the system is corrupt. The individuals get the banker treatment. Too big to jail. Too too important to jail. I mean, what somebody explain it to me because it makes absolutely no sense. And this is why I say that in my mind, there is no legal authority that I should be bound to respect. Because they cherry pick who they prosecute and who they don't prosecute. There is no uniformity in upholding law and order. I mean, it's the same Justice Department, but I know it's different U.S. attorneys who are put in charge of running these investigations. Eric Holder is not individually doing these investigations himself. Okay, now y'all know that's not how it works. So people that try to put all the blame on him and and say, oh, this is Eric Holder playing the race card. And Eric Holder didn't investigate Ferguson himself. The, the U.S. Attorney Office for that district in Missouri did the investigation. So the U.S. Attorney needs to answer these questions. And sure, yes, Eric Holder needs to answer the questions as well as the most visible person given that position appointed by President Obama, confirmed by Congress to be the top cop in the land, yes, he needs to answer to why these people are not being criminally prosecuted. Or perhaps, as as I think Ms. Sanchez was suggesting yesterday, well, perhaps we might still see that coming. But I would think, though, that that as soon as you conclude this 107-page report on the police department and uncover all this systemic racism and and violation of people's constitutional rights and and federal penal code violations, 
that you would already have uh, uh, issued your indictments or at least seeking those indictments. So I just don't believe that nothing is in the works. They're not, no, they put out the report. We're done right now. You know, yeah, we're going to stick around and we're going to uh, get these bad people out of, of these positions and allow them to retire and whatnot. And if we had to, we'll shut down the police department but in terms of really holding people accountable for the crime that they do, no, uh, uh, um, no, we're just not going to do it. How do you, as a person who lives in that place, who has been victimized by them personally, how do you accept that? I would not be accepting that. No. Nothing short of prosecute. You didn't cause me to be locked up in this jail. For weeks, months, possibly, on these bogus tickets and whatnot. You have given me tickets for simply just walking down the street, walking while black. Literally, this is what the report said. The manner in which the person was walking down the street. So again, look at, check out the report. But you name it, all of these different crimes. But nobody is being held criminally responsible why should why what gives you then the moral authority to prosecute anyone and to continue to hold over a million people and i don't know exactly the exact number in the federal system but i know it's a lot vast majority nonviolent drug crimes crimes of survival crimes of poverty that's the vast majority of them. You need to let them go. You don't have the moral authority to hold them. If you're not going to prosecute bankers, if you're not going to prosecute judges, if you're not going to prosecute these people, like we see in Ferguson, then, you know, your system is a sham and you are part of the problem. Now, you know, uh, um, other than that, what, you know, if there are so many good police officers out there, which I don't believe that, I believe that the bad cop is the norm in America. All you got to do is just listen to the, look at the people they elect to represent them in these police unions and whatnot. It's a gang, man. They have a gang mentality. Again, they may not go out there and shoot somebody, but they're out there writing tickets, meeting quotas. They following those bad orders. Doesn't that make them bad people? If you follow bad orders, you know these orders are bad. You know that you're violating people's rights. You know this has nothing to do with public safety and has everything to do with filling the coffers of the state or the city. We have often heard people acknowledge that there is a culture of corruption within these departments. Well, how does a culture get created? A culture is created by the people, a part of that culture. Right? So if the culture, if the entire culture is corrupt, then that means the vast majority of the people in that organization are corrupt that's just that's straight up logic to me 
And, you know, I just want to see change out there. That is why we come on these airways every day to give people little facts, share our opinions, and agitate for real change. And not let, you know, have you fall victim to the propaganda that's out there. Because all of the the police, the state has corporate media on their side. Because they want to keep getting access. I've heard people talk about this, especially those people who cover like those journalists who who are reporters who have the so-called police beat. And they want to get quotes and stuff from the police and all this and that. And, and they usually write the report so that it is favorable of the police officer and victimizes, further victimizes the cop's victim. And even if, if, if the person is, is suspected of a crime, they're still not guilty. But you try, the, the, the uh, media works with the police and the entire system to paint this person in the worst possible light. If a person gets into a fight and they get arrested for disturbing the peace and they're going to be going to trial for that because they're pleading innocent or whatnot. Okay, so so if you then as the media, first of all, publish my mug shot in the orange jumpsuit and, and you know, hair not combed, whatever, looking all rough. That paints an image in the minds of the people who are potential jurors. And then you list my entire arrest record. Not, not all convictions, but if I've just been arrested. We, this is standard procedure. Whenever someone is shot and killed by cops, they always go to check. Well, let's see if they got a criminal record. When it has nothing to do with that individual incident how does that relate to your story those are just some of the subtle ways that they poison the so called criminal justice system to to that's why we have all of these people on these juries refusing to indict officers or when it does go to trial refusing to convict them the media plays a huge role in that because we want to keep repeating to people over and over that cops are good. That there are just a few bad apples. Or they just have poor training. You know, and, and, and I'm not buying that. Some of it is poor training. Some of it is. I, I, I will give you that. People not knowing how to disarm people who simply have knives, so they just shoot them. I'm like, what the hell are you lifting all them weights for, man? If, if you're just going to pull out your Glock, why you need those steroids? Why you taking those? Because you're not finna wrestle nobody in the street so that you can take them alive and not kill them because they may be having an emotional incident. They are not in their right mind at that moment. So I don't know why you're lifting all them weights. Got memberships at the gym. Showing your big biceps on, on, on Facebook and whatnot. 
but then your first reaction is, is to pull out a gun and shoot somebody anyway I am overdue for a break you're listening to Black Talk Radio this is Black Talk Radio News my name of course is Scotty Reed uh, we are going to be joined here at the top of the hour 5 o'clock p.m. Uh, we should be joined by Mr. Lasana Jasfor. We're going to discuss the fundraiser uh, set up on his son's behalf to seek justice after he was shot in the back while lying on the ground. The video does confirm that. That's what I'm looking at. So we, we want to talk to him about where the case is at now and as much as he can share about what's the next move then he can share don't want to let the enemy know all the moves you're going to make so I do understand that sometimes uh, we have to keep things close to the vest so we're going to take a short break if you haven't had an opportunity to watch that video go ahead and, and, and take a look take a look at the dash cam video it's right there we'll be back here in just a bit. This is Elliot Booker, host of Time for an Awakening Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network, speaking in behalf of the Black Talk Media Project's 2015 fundraiser. Since 2008, the Black Talk Media Project, which has created Black Talk Radio Network, has engaged in producing original content from a black perspective for the global black community. You can help us continue this mission and help us even more by giving donations to the Black Talk Media Project's 2015 fundraiser and asking others to do so also. Let us work together to make 2015 a stronger year for independent black media. Again, this is Elliot Booker of Time for Awakening Radio Program on the Black Talk I think that if, you know, like America has ever run out of Vietnam and defeated as they should be in Vietnam, then black people over here will have to, you know, like, be in a position where they can defend themselves. So I think that aggression, that aggression that's being directed against the Vietnamese people will be turned inwardly against black people in this country. See, America, in terms of where she goes and, you know, like, who she controls, a whole sphere of influence is diminishing. America is fighting on about five or six different fronts right now. Latin America, you know, like Africa, Middle East, and Vietnam, and here domestically. So I think that, you know, given the system and given that it operates off the military-industrial complex, which means that war is profitable and that, you know, like General Steel, or USS Steel, must make steel for tanks to hire people, you know, to give people jobs to, so they can spend the money to buy other goods. The very fact that the system operates off that principle meaning that means that when the man comes back, when the man is run out of every country, then it will become necessary to wage war in his own country. Welcome back. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name, of course, is Scotty Reed. If you uh, like to make a comment, ask a question, you can do so by giving us a call at 530 530- 881-1400 the access code is 549-032 pound you just hit star 6 and 1 to comment on air again uh, we will be joined hopefully nothing happened uh, by Mr. Lasana Jasper to come on um, the station again and talk to us about the um, 
Latest information involving the killing of his 20-year-old son, St. Q, Jasper, by Raymond Dwayne, the uh, Jackson, Tennessee police officer. Again, dash cam video does appear to confirm, in my opinion, what I heard earlier from from not only Mr. Jasper, but uh, reading witness statements about um, him being on the ground and, and, you know, face down on the ground and being shot in the back. This video confirms that to me. It's kind of dark, but if you look closely, there's one segment where it looks like they kind of highlighted it. Like put some kind of video effect so that you could see more clearly. And you see this cop throwing him to the ground and then shooting him while he's on the ground. So, yeah. Killed by police, uh, dot net is a resource that I think people should be made aware of. And I will make a, you aware of this resource every time I come on airways with Black Talk Radio News. Want to thank those people who want to remain anonymous for putting this database together. It's even giving me some ideals about other types of databases we should be maintaining. But this database just simply tracks through the media how many people are killed by police, as the name suggests. So every day this week, I don't think I've missed the day we've been looking at the casualty, the daily casualty reports. If there were anything, let me look at April 2nd. Yesterday was April 2nd. Don't recall uh, how many had been killed when we uh, came on air, but four people total were killed, bringing the 2015 total to 296, which now stands at 297 because a person was killed today, a male. That's all we know right now. So 297 people thus far have been killed by police in the United States of America. Many of them, I would dare say vast majority of them preventable. So yesterday again, April the 2nd, 2015, we're going to read the victims' names. Number 293. April the 2nd, 2015, in the state of New York, a black male, Donald Dante Ivy, 39 years old. The TimesUnion.com is um, reporting that um, Albany, Albany police, Albany man dies after police use taser in struggle. That is under investigation so they have uh, electrocuted another person to death also killed by police in Oklahoma yesterday another black male Eric Courtney Harris he was 44 years old that story is being reported by News on 6 in Tulsa County Tulsa, Oklahoma, remember Black Wall Street and how racist white terrorists destroyed it, causing tremendous loss of life and property. 
the uh, website is kind of slow. It's not coming up right now. At this point, there is a, there was a unknown man in the state of Illinois. He's a male. Don't know his race. Don't know his name. Don't know his age, but he was killed yesterday. Um, let me see. That is again, what did I say? Illinois. Sometimes these websites are, are kind of slow. I'm trying to see what city it was. Um, it's not coming up. Uh, let's see. Then we had a, another un, uh, unidentified male. Don't know if he white, black, Hispanic, Chinese, whatever. We don't know. That occurred in Louisiana, a male. Let me see. April the 3rd. That's today. Thus far. There has only been one killing by police today. I was reading about this earlier. Uh, this person was uh, also killed in Illinois. So two people killed in Illinois um, here in the past couple of days. Uh, this happened in Rock Island, Illinois. Another male doesn't say ethnicity or anything like that so uh yeah I, I, they i imagine we'll update that once they get that information so again i appreciate the work um that killed by police does it is a a something that you can look at something that you can see to help you get a picture of the number of casualties that that are happening on a daily basis here in Battlefield America. We just don't want people, we, we, you know, we don't want people to become victims. It's not that we just want to talk about bad news and, and, you know, tell, all we're trying to do is tell you what is going on out there. So you can be aware when you go out, so you can go in the survival mode. When you go out into the world, driving your car, taking a bus, walking down the street. Need to develop protocols on how you interact with police. There's a lot of good resources out there. Do want to uh, go ahead and take a look. Let me check the phone lines. Okay, nobody wants to comment. Take a look at yesterday's racism and terrorism report. I'll be putting out a new report tonight so I'm already getting reports in my email but yesterday um, we saw a lot of racist activity on campus well I shouldn't say just yesterday but over the past couple of days uh, we had talked about that the largest uh, university in Canada yeah a couple of these stories come from Canada as well um where the we reported on the story about the non-white students creating safe spaces on campuses where they get together to discuss the impact of racism and white supremacy on their lives and whatnot, and they do not allow uh, white people to come into this, white students to come into this. So it was a big thing about it. The two uh, white student reporters that wanted to come inside of this this meeting this support group 
so they could write up a story they weren't allowed in, which they shouldn't have been. I mean, this is a support group. This is a support group for people that are suffering from racism and white supremacy and they trying to navigate the system so they come together to collectively help each other. That is not something that should be open to the public. Are NA meetings open to the public? Are AA meetings, Alcoholic Anonymous? Are Eaters Anonymous? You know, people want to have their anonymity when they talk about these issues because, you know, then you go in there and you see certain individuals that you may know and then you go and tell other people, yeah, I saw so and so in, in this, uh, in this meeting by these, uh, black students and, and other non-white students and, and they're talking about racism and, and, and all this and that. And then they're talking about hate, hating the white man and you know how things, um, get passed on. So I think they should have some privacy. Can't they get a little privacy so that they can help each other? So they've been holding workshops on Ryerson's uh, university. But already, as I um, included a video, you got this white guy, and it's a fairly long video. I'm not going to play it all. But this guy, this white guy, basically talking about safe spaces are BS. So says the person who is not being targeted by police, not being racially profiled, racism and discrimination not being practiced against him. He doesn't even, you know, recognize that people are being terrorized and they need safe space. To say that safe spaces are BS, that's crap, man. That's crap. And you are practicing racism. The Kansas legislator, the House side, took up a complaint against a Kansas City lawmaker. Excuse me. Yeah, Kansas lawmaker. I'm not sure what um, city she's from. She uh, represents Wyandotte County in Kansas. She's a black female. And she made what, what was going on was, was the Kansas lawmakers were passing, uh, mostly Republicans were passing this immigration bill last month. They were having a committee, right? And so, um, what the woman said, see if I can find her comments right quick, was saying that, um, the bill was racist and the people putting forth the bill are practicing racism. She might have called them straight out racisms. But she could, she could, yes, yeah, she referred to the bill supporters as racist bigots who are employing Jim Crow tactics to turn back time. Uh, let me see. The Republican lawmakers are angry about those comments made during a March 19th hearing that would have banned charging in-state college tuition for undocumented immigrants. She called it racist that you're racist. You, if you support this bill, you're a bigot. You're a racist bigot and you're employing Jim Crow tactics. That's her opinion. She entitled to her opinion, but she should have been more codified and, and said something like, I suspect these people to be practicing racism. I suspect I'm not sure. I can't say for sure, but I suspect that these white men, white women, whoever 
these Republicans, I suspect them are practicing racism. See, then technically she's not calling them racist bigots. See, we, I do agree. We have to be codified in our language. Language is words are very important. See, if she said suspects, racist suspects, and then they would have tried to say something. She was like, well, I didn't call you racist. I said, I suspect you were being racist, you know. If you want to take that as me calling you racist, well, maybe you know something about yourself that I don't know. You can confirm that for us, you know, by just telling us, are you, in fact, a racist white supremacist? But I didn't call you a racist. I just said I suspect you are practicing racism. So I, I think that um the lawmaker, she's a Democrat representative, Valdinia, I think that's how you pronounce her name, Valdinia Wynn. She would be helped by tuning in to the contest of white supremacy, uh, especially the Saturday night program. To Because this falls under workplace racism that they discuss, does it not? So, you know, if, if she ever comes across this and, and reads it or hears this this uh, broadcast, that, which will later be a podcast, yeah. Don't just call them straight up racist, you know, on the job like that. Just call them racist suspect. I suspect you are practicing racism. And that is why you are behind this bill to deny education to these non-white people. Say, you know what I'm saying? You just got to be codified, man. Then you can alleviate some of these attacks. Or then you can easily turn it on them and question their education level and their understanding of the definition of words. Because I'm telling you, I have flipped that on some people who said that I called them racist. Oh, you playing a racist? Look, man, I didn't call you racist. I said, I suspect you of being a racist. Or I said, racist suspect. Do you know what the word suspect means? That means I suspect something. I can't confirm it, but I suspect that this is what you are doing. I suspect this is what you are. So I never called you a racist. Yeah, she could learn. She could learn. All right, uh, what's next in the report? Of course, y'all probably heard by now about the three Bucknell students who were suspended for their racist on-air commentary on the college radio station. Something interesting about this story is that a prisoner, somebody on the prison plantation listening to the radio, heard them. And he reported it to a prison advocacy group. Some people he knew had come to the prison to try to help. And he he told them what he heard. And it was confirmed that these three students who were recently expelled were on air, on the public airways, saying that black people should be dead, lynch them, and other nonsense. Other racist, hatred, terroristic language. I would be terrified if I was to hear that come across my college, uh, local college radio, which Gaston College does have a radio station. I have tuned in to their radio station from time to time. I would be mortified. I would, that would confirm for me that I live behind enemy lines. I'm hearing this come out over the radio. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, 
and run this uh, report from the local media. Let me see. Um, I also, yeah, Bucknell is a private Pennsylvania college. So this occurred in Pennsylvania. See if we President of Bucknell University says the school has a racism problem. Three students were expelled after making racist comments on the campus radio station. Bucknell University's website describes an inclusive community that acknowledges, embraces, and explores differences in race, among other things. That mission took a hit with a recent broadcast on the school's student-run campus radio station. Some students were using reprehensible, inappropriate, inexcusable language. In the interest of transparency and candor, Bucknell's president revealed that one student used the N-word. A second said, black people should be dead. And the third said, lynch them. Other students are embarrassed and say those comments do not represent Bucknell. Obviously, it was very unfortunate what happened. And I hope that people understand it's not not all publications at Bucknell. Uh, It's definitely not something that we want to be known for. It really goes against all the values of our community here at Bucknell. Bucknell is a private liberal arts school with about 3,600 undergrads. It's about four hours northeast of Pittsburgh. The student body there, 79% white, 5% Hispanic, 3% African-American. The school is not naming the three students who were expelled. President of... Why not? I agree with what Gus said. Brand them. Brand them. Or else there's no repercussions. They can live in anonymity. They're not going to be charged with any kind of crimes or anything. Not even any federal. I bet you any federal charges related to that sort of language on, on the college airwaves. On the, excuse me, the public airwaves. They have been expelled. They have been expelled, but... You know, now they're free to go join the local police department. We don't know who they are. You know, they, you don't need a college degree. All you need is a high school diploma. Now they can go be cops and they, they can legally lynch people, black people, and shoot them and kill them. So I think they should be named. I think that if you're going to publicly come out and say things like that, then, you know, we we should be able to know your name. You know my name, don't you? So, um, I mean that that that's a problem. That's a big problem. And this is, you know, this is, these aren't anomalies, but I think something is going on because you're hearing a lot of these racist reports coming from college campuses. So that's the next generation of of people who are going to be put in positions of power. Who will practice racism? Duke University had an incident. North Carolina students trying to change the name after uh, of a building after a racist terrorist. Same thing at Clemson University in South Carolina. This is commonplace, and I would say, you know. Uh, it reminds me also what did we hear a couple of weeks ago from the conservative radio host Andrea Shea King who took to the airwaves and said that those black lawmakers the black political caucus that, that said that they were going to boycott Benjamin Netanyahu the Israeli prime minister's speech to Congress said that they should be lynched then she went on further and said you know the clucks who elected them, they should be lynched as well.
black people should be lynched. You think Andrea Shea King was fired from her job? No. That's what she was hired to do. To spread racist hatred through the radio. To rile up people. To make them think that white people are being victimized in a, on a systemic level. We got about five minutes. We are again expecting five minutes to the top of the hour. I should say we are expecting Mr. Lasana to give us a call. God willing, nothing happened. Discuss his son case. Um, I'm going to share as many of the, the uh, stories that I can get to that is in this racism report. And already I got again in my emails uh, reports to make up volume three. This is volume two. Um, Winnipeg, jump into Canada. Winnipeg named most racist city in Canada is a video I found, but I got a report, um, from this website, um, about what's going on in Canada. Welcome to our cowardly new world order. Uh, this was an article that was published by a lady by the name of Mary Welch. She's a columnist for the WinnipegFreePress.com. She said, what's worse than a racist Facebook page? One that, one that's been set up as part of an ongoing attempt to cyberbully and smear a young woman. That with a few hours of hindsight and a bit of reporting is essentially at the core of Wednesday morning's media hubbub about the Facebook page called Aboriginals need to get a job and stop using our tax dollars. The page, which included a bunch of predictably racist vitriol, was set up in December, but caught fire on social media on Tuesday night. Uh, I'm, I don't even know if this page is still up on Facebook. Uh, we can certainly take a look, but while we take a look, here is a report from some indigenous uh, tribal members in Canada talking about Winnipeg being the most racist city in Canada. The video should be starting here. Maybe I need to open it up in YouTube. Uh, sometimes these videos uh, take some time to start. Let's see. They're going to want to play a commercial. So, yeah, we'll skip that. All right. So uh, the next report, the next item on the report. Again, the noose found hanging at Duke University two weeks after another racist incident. So Duke off the chain. And Duke is in the final four this year, is aren't they? NCAA. Wonder if uh, any other commentators, any of the former Duke players that have been commenting, particularly the black ones and the white ones too, the former players. Wonder if they've been saying anything about you know this noose and this racism going on in the campus of Duke. Oh, you got all these black people playing basketball. Bringing all this money into the university. How do you feel about all of this racism being expressed on, on, on the campus? I, as a person, and I, as the president of Duke University, find this symbol and what it symbolizes abhorrent. 
This university condemns uh, the message that was put in circulation, and this university repudiates the message it gave about the kind of place this is. This university repudiates racism in all its forms, as it repudiates every other form of discrimination based on thinking people as, uh, thinking of people as members of abstract categories you can treat as if they're somehow legitimately inferior to yourself. You know, it, was, it wasn't so long ago that actually these things were realities in this place. If they are not now, if there's not a contemporary history of lynching, it's because people, 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 actual humans in the North and in the South, white and black, fought and fought and fought, decade after decade after decade, to repudiate the world in which inequality was the law of the land. Um, yeah, so there you heard remarks from the president of Duke and saying, you know, all the things you would expect him to say about this and that. I do believe Duke did change the name uh, of one of those buildings they had named after a racist white supremacist who helped found the school or something like that. That's usually the excuse that they use to celebrate racism and white supremacy. Well, you know, they were more than just racist. Look at the great contribution that they made to education. Yeah, but at the time, black people weren't even allowed. And in the case of Benjamin Tillman down there at Clemson University, uh, you know, this man bragged about killing black people, was a member of a terrorist uh, white supremacist organization. So... Yeah, um, the last thing, the last item on that, and no, I could not find that Facebook page. Aboriginals need to get a job and stop using our tax dollars. Sound like those conservatives down here in the United States, don't they? Uh, let me see. The last thing on there was, um, this is also in Canada. Yeah. A student politician has filed a complaint over racist, sexist Facebook chats. Uh, when Maylene, that's not a real name, campaigned and won a position on the executive of Concordia University's largest student faculty association in the spring of 2013, she had just turned 20 and was full of optimism about what she could accomplish as a student leader. But after a few weeks in the position, Maylene began to encounter what she describes as a toxic environment, fueled mainly by two male members of the Arts and Sciences Federation of Associations. They made blatant, sexist, and racially discriminatory remarks, and if you didn't laugh, or if you showed your uneasiness, they would just make you feel worse, she said. And we have linked to that. So she has filed a complaint. So it's, I don't know why they said Facebook chat or whatnot. I'm not sure why that was in the title. But um, yeah, Canada has been showing up in my news um, alerts a lot for uh, racism. I bet you, you know, a lot of people might be surprised at that if they don't live in that area of the world. They might be surprised and they don't regularly see, you know, these reports. But Aboriginal women, Indigenous First Nation women um, have been targeted just like black women. A lot of them go missing. Up there in Canada, like a lot of black females go missing here in the United States. And you know, you know, uh, a lot of it has to do with sex trafficking. 
human trafficking and sexual slavery. So, oh yeah. Uh, we've yet to hear from, um, our guest. I'm going to see if I can email him and get in touch with him that way and I'll uh, see, uh, if he's going to be able to join us today. Uh, you're listening to Black Talk Radio. My name is Scotty Reed. Uh, this program broadcasts every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time right here on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. We will be right back. This is Monroe, North Carolina. The town where local NAACP president Robert Williams created headlines when he said, Sometimes violence must be met with violence. Many asked why. You know, we do whatever we do to survive. Drop it! Some of the people who had thought that it would be better to settle these cases violently, uh, I had been able to uh, persuade them that we should use the courts and go into the courts. So this thing had, uh, had boomerang. And uh, I was being uh, held responsible for having brought these cases to court. There was a trial where a Negro maid had been kicked down a flight of stairs uh, by a white man. And that uh, this man hadn't even bothered to come to his own trial. And that he had, uh, he had also uh, been uh, acquitted. And uh, there was a demonstration as a result of this in uh, the courtroom by the Negro women of the community. And uh, they had approached me and uh, had said, well, you said that you would see that these people would be punished because uh, through the organization we would have competent counsel and uh, that if it hadn't been for you that these people would have been punished. And uh, they wanted to know what I would recommend that they do from then on. And so I recommended that, that they meet violence with violence, that uh, Negroes must be prepared to repulse attack, that they must be willing to fight, that they must be willing to die and to kill if necessary, that uh, there was no law or no 14th Amendment uh, to the United States Constitution or the equal protection in the South, and that therefore they didn't have any deterrent, so they would have to create the, the deterrent force themselves by meeting violence with life. Yeah, Sean Barnes, Chicago representative. Hey, Louise, this ain't no dish record. No, we just a little, little schooling. Let him until comment. Not cool. You know, let me take you to school, man. Let's do what the deal is. You gotta respect that right there. Love. Louise, I know you trying to sell records, check it. That image your reference was so disrespected. Chicago is my home, so I feel it for real. 14 years young, lynched in the South Kill. Playing with metaphors, but that was sacred. Found all alone, body bloated and naked. Now you use it for some shot value in a rhyme. You ain't learned when you did that little time. Black history ain't a mystery, go learn it, they'll burn it. Oh, uh, yes, we have heard from, um, Brother Lasana. We're gonna see if we can connect with him. Uh, he might be having problems trying to call in. So let's see if we can add him 
to the call. Um, no, uh, Skype will not let me call him. Let me see if I can uh, reach him another way. Hey, brother Scotty, I was I was actually on with you uh, on a, on another line. I could hear you. Uh, how you doing? Hey, I'm I'm doing just uh, great. Give me just a moment. Let me uh, okay. stop some things here. Okay. Yeah, if you could call me on that studio line number, uh, the seven zero four nine five one fifty thirty. Oh, uh, cause this. Okay. It, I, let me see. Is that what I was already on? No. Okay. No, I was on a five three zero eight eight one. Something. Yeah, that's okay. the conference line. Yeah. If you give me that again, give me that that again. Seven three. Uh, seven zero four nine five one fifty thirty. Nine five one sixty thirty. Okay. All right. If, call right no, back. no. Five zero three zero. Oh. Five zero three zero. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't like talking to people through Google Voice because it has like this little whining noise. I don't understand where that comes from. So, yeah, um, I guess I could do a station identification break as we wait on his call. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed broadcasting on the Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, just want to remind you the Black Talk Media Project 2015 fundraiser is still ongoing. Um, we will also be publishing these uh, station performance reports through Black Talk Media Project for the month of March. Uh, here, I've got the data. I've been sorting it out and uh, just about ready to publish it uh, as soon as I get the totals for the individual or total up the individual program uh, statistics. And, and, of course, this is a public radio station um, funded by the listeners. And so that information will be made public Um for people to see, you know, what your investment is going towards and how many people we are reaching. Okay, let me see. I think this is Brother Lasana. Brother Lasana, we got you on the line. Okay, all right, I'm here. All right. All right, sorry sorry about the problems in, in connecting, but you're here now, and um, it's good to speak to you again. How have you been, considering? Hey, uh, busy, busy, on, on point. Uh, good to speak to you again. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, where, first, let me just start by saying, I, I saw the video. Um, the last time I had spoken with you, the dash cam video was not out. And so as I was doing some, uh, preparing for today's program, and I was like, well, let me see what the news media is saying recent, you know, on the case. And so I, that's when I came across the video. I published it on our website. And I just want to say it confirms everything that you told me and what the witnesses state that at, 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 yes, there was a altercation between CQ and the officer, but the officer had thrown, this is what I saw. I saw him throw CQ to the ground. And I saw another officer like he was going to move in to try to subdue him. But this officer, as soon as he throws him on the ground and he's on the ground, uh, the cop shoots him. And, and you said from the hospital reports, he was shot in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just to add to that, like you said, the, the, 
but also what you're looking at, Scotty, well, no, this is an edited video. This is a heavily edited video uh, that uh, e even with that, even as incriminating as it is, uh, it's still edited, I guess they felt, in a way that, you know, kind of, you know, favors them or makes them look less culpable. Um, but it's edited, uh, it's manipulated, it's not uh, sequenced in, 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 in real time. And um, uh, that's what they have put out. And um, even since then, uh, investigations probably over, they have still refused to give us anything official in terms of a report. And uh, we have requested, you know, the raw video. So we have the complete uh, footage of that episode. Uh, they still refuse to uh, turn over anything. Well, again, um, I published a video on uh, today's program, and I'm actually going to uh, produce an uh, article about it. But I could see why it was. It looked like it was about dust there. That's what I, you know, am assuming is why the picture was so, you know, dark and whatnot. But it looked like a part of it was enhanced. And I could hear people. I could hear people that were not in the video, but in the editing studio. I don't know if you picked up on that. But towards the no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. But I knew that there was no audio, you know, in terms of the actual scene. But no, I hadn't even picked up on voices, you know, in the studio. But I know from because I edit video. I mean, I, I'm, I'm 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 trained and certified in, in video production. So, but even an amateur, you know, amateur eye can see that this. Is, is, is edited, you know, uh, edited video. But again, though, again, from what I did see, confirm what you told to me. And I'm, I'm uh, sure some people are going to look at, you know, again, we don't know why CNQ was upset that day. We don't know what was going on with him. But what we do know is, is once he had the interaction with the officer, he, you know, from what I saw, CNQ was walking down the side of a road when the cop pulls up and then initiates contact with CQ. They get into an altercation. This cop who seemed to be very big, you know, like he lift weights or yeah. something, like he's yeah. in shape. Uh, he had his gun out in one hand, yeah. grabs CQ by the throat by the other hand and slings uh -huh. him down on the ground and then at that point shoots him. And I don't understand that part right there. Why did you yeah, have to shoot this yeah, there's man? No justification for that part in the video where it confirms it, and and then and even and I even talk about you know the, the you know the, what, the, what the part we call the altercation. I mean, I'm looking at that, Scotty, and I and I'm seeing you know I even try to separate myself from it, you know, you know, as a father, but I, actually what I'm seeing is someone more fending you know someone off, you know, feeling the need to defend someone off. And, and, and whatever it was, yeah, there's a point clearly where there's no longer anything in his hand, you know, and he's unarmed, you know. Um, so, like I said, I think it does more to, uh, um, it raises more questions about indictable behavior on the part of the police uh, than it removes uh, I, any... Uh, I also think, you know, in terms, because I do have military training, so I have, while I wasn't a, a grunt soldier or anything like that in an infantry unit, I still had to go through basic training and, and other training to, you know, get certified on different things and different weapons and whatnot. And, and that officer actually, man, could have shot the other, the second officer who looked like once CQ was thrown to the ground, who looked like he was moving in to, I guess, you know, tackle him, do whatever, subdue him. And and he could have easily, in my opinion, from what I observe, have been shot 
Cause it, you know, that's what I saw. I, I thought he also put that other officer's life in danger. Okay. Uh, so where are we now? You mentioned that the investigation, they're saying that it's over, but yet they haven't issued a report. But the last thing, thing I, I, not a, not a thing, brother. The, the last thing I know I've heard though is that the DA has has decided that there will be no charges or they couldn't get an yeah. indictment or what happened there. Clear that up for well, us. Well, and that was uh, because I believe when we before we talked to you, that was before we um, had our action here. Um, we call that action in Jackson, and um, the nature of this place is even though that was not huge, especially by you know say Ferguson standards, New York mm-hmm. standards. For here, it was relatively large because they don't see that kind of thing and they're threatened by that kind of thing and the prospect of, you know, somebody getting this real community aroused and active like that. So it was shortly after that, okay, that matter of fact, it was that Monday, very following that very Saturday, uh, that suddenly we had this kind of like, you know, quick decision. It was kind of like open and close, kind of a, a whatever thing they did with the grand jury because we had no notification about it uh, prior, during, or whatever. And they made that announcement, and that evening also uh, on the news, the video was available. Also, the family, they didn't make any real serious, earnest effort uh, to uh, bring the family in uh, to see what they had or what they were going to release prior uh, either. Uh, so you found out through the media. Mm-hmm. You found you found out through the media. Uh, as far as, as far as the video, yeah, we got a call saying that okay, there weren't going to be any charges. Interestingly, that came from the police themselves, you know, themselves, uh, and not the DA's yeah. office. No, no, uh, uh-uh, no. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole lot of irregularities with with respect to this man, and uh, we do know also that. Even prior to it being released, we know that uh, um, we're aware that it was shared uh, with other folks, uh, including some folks on this. I talked about this, uh, this this league of Negro preachers and this thing called Cold Red. Uh, there's a particular pastor in Coleman um, uh, who's prominent in the community, but he's a part of that. Uh, shared with them and, we, and 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 some other you know private citizens that apparently you know. Um, officers or, or whoever had shared with uh, because they were discussing it. Uh, and uh, and what it showed, you know, was, uh, you know, everything was consistent with, you know, what they had already discussed. So this is what they were doing, you know, uh, in, in that interim. Uh, and uh, like I said, we didn't get anything. Subsequently, we still haven't gotten anything. We requested, in addition to everything else we had requested, the raw video uh, uh, from that. Uh, so we get a clearer look at the entire episode in sequence because what we know from our eyewitnesses, that'll reveal um, some other matters that um, um, make the police even more so culpable. But you know how it's been going with these DAs in league with uh, law enforcement agencies and local governments. Uh, they, 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 their decisions are, are made with prejudice and, you know, it's, you know predetermined they aren't going to be bringing any charges, you know. So we expected that, you know, uh, we weren't surprised, you know, that doesn't make it feel any better, that doesn't make you any right. less uh, uh, bothered, you know, by the decision, but certainly, you know, it wasn't a surprise. 
So that brings us to, you know, I guess the fundraiser, um, that has been set up. And so can, can you talk to us a, a, a bit about that fundraiser? And I think it's on, on GoFundMe. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we link to we, it. Yeah, that's what we and this was something, Scotty, like I said, that we hadn't had really put a whole lot of energy in up to this point, but we do recognize that, yeah, what, what we're trying to do and the ongoing efforts, we, we know we're going to need some resources. Uh, so there is a GoFundMe site. Um, the link is on the uh, pages that... Uh, uh, we linked uh, it as well. Already. Yeah, the Facebook page is uh, Justice for Q. Uh, Q just for and then my Facebook page, uh, two words, letters E L, letters D J A H. Uh, the link to the GoFundMe site for you know Q for Justice is uh, at uh, at those sites. Okay, let and, me uh, let me give it out to those listeners that are not okay. on our page. I have linked to it. It's uh, uh, Q for Justice Black Martyrs Campaign is the fundraiser name. And the link to it for those who are not on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com or on Facebook, uh, the link is GoFundMe.com slash QA as in Apple 6 N as in Nancy, N as in Nancy, and G as in good. So that's QA6NNG. GoFundMe.com slash QA6NNG. That's the short link. And that'll take you to the campaign. And, and so please continue. Okay. And uh, uh, what, we're, what we're doing, um, starting on the anniversary of uh, the uh, female care assassination, which is tomorrow, um, we're doing something under the name of uh, Black Martyrs Day. And so, um, just as with the King assassination particularly, we, we, we're, we're looking at this as part of a movement to recognize and honor the uh, countless black martyrs that have fallen in the struggle for our liberation and to the, uh, 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 the, the hostilities uh, of, of, of folks determined to maintain or uh, push white supremacy on us as a community. So we will honor all of those um, recent and 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 uh, long gone um, ancestors and martyrs in that cause, of which thank you, of course, is, is now one. Uh, so on Saturday tomorrow, uh, we're going to kick off our efforts here at 10 a.m. Central Time. But we have uh, folks in cities around the country that will be showing solidarity either with some of their own events or. Uh, um, uh, some 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 particular function, but also uh, we just uh, it's a symbolic gesture, uh, uh, black armband, black ribbon, or you know some black attire, uh, just as a show of solidarity. So if it's a matter of just taking a moment privately, if it's a matter of taking a moment as a group, or if uh, some folks may be doing some forums or uh, some some public efforts of their own. Uh, but it's something that we think is appropriate uh, that on uh, the anniversary of the King assassination, who was certainly a martyr in the cause, uh, we uh, take a moment to recognize and honor uh, the many and as the countless black martyrs uh, who have fallen victim uh, um, in, in, in the struggle for liberation and the struggle for uh, simple humanity and dignity. Um, 
here in America, particularly. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, um, I didn't even realize that, um, Brother Lasana. I, I just feel a certain kind of way about. I, I know a lot of people aren't celebrating, of course, anniversaries, but. I don't really, right. yeah, you know, but I didn't even realize that uh, the anniversary of his assassination was coming up. And we just had, you know, the anniversary of the assassination of Malcolm X. And we have right. just, right. man, right. we just lost so many people and, and many of them nameless, you know, who, who didn't have the name recognition or notoriety of a Malcolm X or a Martin Luther King Jr. But there have, like you said, been plenty, plenty of martyrs throughout, you know, the black struggle for existence um, in this white supremacist space called the United States. Exactly, exactly. And, and just, and you're right, I mean, and some folks maybe, you know, don't even maybe like to think in terms of so much marketing anniversary that, so, so it's not, you know, but again, what it is is about, you know, we do want to recognize Remember. and honor all those martyrs, and mm-hmm. certainly, you know, Martin Luther King is one. You mentioned Brother Malcolm, and many of them, like these brothers and sisters that we have seen cut down in recent months, these are martyrs, you know, uh, uh, essentially, uh, you know, to the cause. Um, so we want to recognize them as such, and at the same time stand and, and, and move, you know, towards justice in the names of all of these, you know, uh, uh, as, as martyrs. I mean, we take up um, we take up the arms and, and, and move forward, you know, uh, for these fallen uh, soldiers. Uh, and, and and I say that too. I use that word because I you know, I was saying earlier. I look at I see Q in that picture, and I see Q fending off. You know, so I mean, I look at you know my, my son as as standing up for himself in that moment because look, my son is certainly aware. He's he's seen the video of, of Garner choked to death. You know, mm-hmm. he knows about Mike Brown. You know, he 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 knows about these these many brothers who have been assassinated. You know, I I have no doubt. I mean, that moment it just think he probably feared for his life. I was just see. about to say that. Yeah. I was yeah. just about to, in fear for his yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah, you know. So, so in, my, in my view, my, my 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 son is a hero, and, and he did what some of the brothers and sisters didn't get an opportunity to do. I mean, for that, that one moment, however feebly, you know, he stood up for himself, you know, and tried to fend them off. You yeah. know, so um, yeah, I I, uh, I honor my son with with the rest of of the martyrs, and they call that I'm and I'm and I'm proud of him for making what stand he did. Um, is there anything um, else? Oh, oh, yeah. I don't think you gave out the information for the uh, campaign that you're going to be a part of, the Black Martyrs Day event in Jackson. Okay. Can you give yeah. them out? Like I said, we will, we will kick things off 10 a.m. down in the, um, um, in the area of City Hall. Um, the address, uh, I forget, it's 101-something, but it's right there, the corner of Highland and Main Street. Uh, in Jackson, Tennessee, downtown, that's right between City Hall and um, Courthouse Square, right downtown. So that's where we will kind of kick off. We're going to move to some uh, some spots uh, from there where we're going to be doing some things that will be uh, 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 workshopping presentations. Uh, we will have um, uh, some speakers, but what we're trying to do is really engage. We're going to do some training, get some grassroots training. Uh, uh, it's in terms of uh, folks 
um, being better able to get out and engage the community and be empowered to do so. Because what we really need here at Brother Scotty and what we're trying to provide is something that totally does not exist here, a platform uh, for people to feel comfortable to step out on and see that there is a viable, progressive uh, uh, agency here that's going to stand and, uh, and, and fight for social justice. We don't have anything like that here. The NAACP certainly does not do that. Like I said, they, they, as I said before, they have actually, we know that particularly through their president, have actually worked against uh, our efforts. Uh, this this, this uh, League of Negro Preachers, they call themselves Cold Red, certainly worked against us, you know, private meetings with the mayor, basically coordinating between them and the police, and working in our interest. So this is part of what we want to build here uh, in a place that does not have it and needs it because um, people need, need something like that to step outside of the fear and intimidation certainly. that they've been under. Certainly, I can agree with that. And, and, and let me just say, just to reiterate your point, this isn't to attack the NAACP. I know certain members listen to this program. I've interviewed, you know, chapter head presidents and, and I look at it on a chapter by ch- chapter basis on, you know, how are they dealing with the community? I don't necessarily, um, associate them, you know, with the bad press or what the national association uh, may be doing or not be doing. So I, ch- I tend to look at it, but it is a fact that in far too many of these little towns and stuff where you have NAACP, uh, uh, chapters is, you know, the, the people who, who run those chapters are part of the establishment or they, exactly. yeah, they're part of the establishment. They want to get the, you know, the, all the favors that come with being in a position of power and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, people forget that Ferguson had, it has a NAACP chapter. And when we first heard the reports about Michael Brown being killed, hell, the, here, the NAACP, and I made, uh, copied the videos. Here she was basically being a press reporter for the freaking police. Just basically saying their talking points and, and oh, he may have done this and he may yeah. have done yeah. that and, and all yeah. this and that. Exactly. When she should have just, you know, kept her mouth shut about things she don't know. So. Yeah, and you know, and to that point, Brother Scotty, I agree. I wouldn't indict everybody, but like I said, we know we can certainly name certain folks, and this person is acting on behalf uh, of the agency. But mm-hmm. I, but I would say to any of those that feel bothered by it, feel bothered enough, okay, to show us differently. If, if that doesn't represent the entire chapter, then where are the folks, the members, who are calling their president out? Who are challenging something on the on, on the matter of a social justice issue? This is my whole thing. You know, if, even if, even if it's not even just about me and my son, this is a social justice issue. This is a human rights issue. But you are silent uh, uh, otherwise. And, and, and beyond that, we know actively uh, disparaging my son. You know, privately and behind the scenes, and basically uh, uh, undermining our efforts. So if there are folks in it, there are members who are counter to that, where are you? You know, make your stand. Let your voices be heard. You know, be seen standing up uh, on the side of right in this. Mm-hmm. Well, Brother Lasana, we come to the end of, of, of this segment. 
Um, uh-huh. um, again, man, I, I'm just, um, so glad that you are the person that you are. Cause a lot of people, man, they would just shrink back from this fight. And you have not shrunken back from this fight and you are galvanized and galvanizing others and, and not just on the behalf of your family and, and your murdered son, but also on the behalf of all our murdered sons and daughters out here, you know, yeah. and, and, and making it about the broader issue of black lives not being exactly. valued in this country, you know, not even by other black people in the case of this black cop. So, um, man, I, I, I just admire you, man. And, 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 you know, amazed at your courage. Um, and you just keep doing what you're doing and you know, we are right here to support you in any way we can, you know, in, in our propaganda efforts and, and getting information out to the people. So one more time before we let you go, tell people how they can get in touch with you. Okay, um, the email through which we're handling everything for this is Q for Justice, uh, the letter Q, the number four, justice at gmail. Q for Justice at gmail. Um, you may have had another one that was L-D-J-T-E-E-N-T-H at gmail. Uh, but the Q for Justice is the go-to one, Q for Justice at gmail. Again, uh, the, the, we use this cell number for people who want to contact for information, 219-314-5053, 219-314-5053. And, of course, the Facebook site uh, is uh, Justice for CQ, Just for, and then my site is EL and DJAH. And I appreciate you, brother Scotty. And you know that, that, that's a, those words are the, the high compliment coming for you from you because I know what you do, and I appreciate it. All right, brother. Well, we will certainly okay. stay in touch and keep us abreast of any uh, new developments that you want to get out to the public through our network. Peace and blessings All to right. you. All right, you too, brother. Right, that was uh, brother Lasana Jasfora in Jackson, Tennessee. Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, Lots of things wrong in Tennessee. Oh, I've heard so many reports come out of Tennessee, but I know Black Autonomy's um, headquarters is based in Memphis, Tennessee. And, um, you know, just the reports that I would hear from them about how the police are, are just really, you know, off the chain in Memphis and might lead the nation in gunning down people in the streets. And so, you know, it is just unfortunate that I meet so many good people intelligent people, people who are about their people, and, you know, that I meet these people through these unfortunate circumstances of reporting on their stories and trying to help them get information out to the public because the mainstream media is going to do what it's going to do, either demonize the victim if cover it at all or any other efforts uh, for justice. And I've met so many and talked to so many people over the years, you know, and it's just unfortunate that I have those circumstances are, are what, you know, put us in contact with each other. But Brother Lasana is a great brother, um, conscious brother. And uh, unfortunately, you know, um, he's been put into a position that many of us fear. And that's, you know, having to bury a loved one. And then if that isn't enough, then the child to be forced to seek justice for that loved one because the system okay because the system made up of all these corrupt people just don't want to practice justice they want to practice racism proxy racism and white supremacy 
Um, I do want to briefly uh, go over some of the uh, social media news feeds of some of our programs because there's just so much information to get out there. But first, I want to remind you that coming up at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, it will be Tando Radio Show. Tando Radio Show airs Monday through Friday at 6 o'clock p.m., right here on the Black Talk Radio Network, hosted by David Wren. Uh, today they will be discussing health news and uh, preparedness. Um, they run a group called RDP, Real Deal Preppers, and it, it's just funny. Um, I subscribe to this survival page on Facebook, you know, and they give you information, survival tips and things of that nature. And so I was asking, I, I wrote on one of their posts and said, is there any black preppers in here? Cause I wouldn't mind putting together a radio program, you know, for preparedness. Cause I think a lot of black people that we don't have being this emergency preparedness at the forefront of our minds and, and, and then with what's going on with the global economy and and you know the high unemployment that you know we and then emergencies you know come up like a hurricane katrina and then we're not prepared we're not saving food we're not putting away like rice and beans and things of that nature canned food and and water and and you know we will if, if the grid was to get shut down for a week man oh man we would be out there begging in the streets or trying or breaking into a store to get some food or whatnot and so you know i and, and so then Next thing I know, uh, Sister Cece, who was my assistant, who helped me get guests for the program, line up guests, uh, put me in touch with David and they, you know, are black preparedness people, black preppers, if you will. So that, that I believe that show was like, uh, divine. Uh, you know, that, that was divine providence. It was meant for them to come on this network because I came across them while I was independently searching for somebody that, that, you know, is, uh, talking about preparedness, emergency preparedness. So they'll be talking about health and wellness today. They'll be talking about preparedness and doing a weekend review in, in preparedness news. Uh, also at nine o'clock PM Eastern time race treaty with Robin Benton. Um, the title of that program tonight, uh, or the topic of discussion will be the convergence of CERD. That's the conference to eliminate racial discrimination, the convergence of CERD and racial equality competencies. Um, Mr. Benton will have a guest uh joining him tonight and I'm just trying to pull up the promo for the show so I can tell you the lady's name and he will be joined by uh her name is Sandy Bernabe Sandy Bernabe I believe that's how you pronounce her name and she's the director of Anti-Racist Alliance a coalition in New York City that has brought the People's Institute training to the schools of social work at Columbia Fordham and Hunter Colleges. Just a quick shout out to the students of Columbia um, that that I think their campaign I would have to dig this information up but they for the longest have been demanding that Columbia University divest itself of all investments in private prisons and to stop practicing 21st stop profiting from the practice of 21st century slavery and human trafficking and it seems like i remember on wednesday reading a note that 
of certain, I don't know if it was the student body or the people who make the decisions, but it was some kind of board meeting and they voted to to divest themselves. So I'm going to have to get the details on that and possibly bring somebody on um, or probably will get them on New Abolitionist Radio if Johanan uh, doesn't get them for the Abolitionist Daily. So I want to give a shout out to them. Great work. I've been watching them in their campaign for over a year now, and it seems like they are, are they have achieved victory. if I'm not mistaken, and that is to get Columbia University to stop investing in 21st century prison slavery through these private prison corporations that are on the stock market. Great job. Great job, young people. Great job on that. Um, So, yeah, uh, make sure y'all tune in to Race Treaty tonight at 9 o'clock p.m. Some of the things that's uh, also in the Black Talk Radio social media feed um, on Facebook, uh, people, the attorneys and people detained by Chicago, Chicago police demand an end to systemic violations of rights. And so that, um, in case y'all didn't hear about the Chicago quote unquote black site where they were kidnapping black and Hispanic people and torturing them and denying them their, their so-called first amendment, excuse me, constitutional rights. That's what that's about. Uh, check this out. A record number, 12,202,000 black Americans are not in the labor force. So when you keep hearing that's the, oh, the unemployment rate is down and, and it's hovering around 6% and that, they ain't talking about black people. Okay. They ain't talking about the black community, which traditionally has always had, if not double, triple the national unemployment rate. And then even if you don't break it down by race and you just look at, you know, everybody who is of working age in this country, those numbers still don't represent the true number of unemployed. That just means they are no longer in the system. They have maxed out their unemployment checks or they're not going through. Um, I forget the name of it. They have like, I know here in North Carolina, they have like a center you could go to get access to computers and get job leads and stuff like that. The Unemployment Commission, I I believe is the name of it. And that's a federal agency. Yeah. So they're no longer going there, but that doesn't mean they're not looking for work or or whatnot. But yeah, a record 12,202,000 black Americans are not in the labor force. All right. So when you hear President Obama or any politician talking about the all the jobs that was added last month, the thirty thousand here, the fifty thousand there, the two hundred thousand there, um, yeah, those jobs are not employing black people. All right, so yeah, that's just unfortunate, and it just again I say opportunity, opportunity for us to create our own businesses to support our businesses instead of giving our money to people who don't have our best interests at heart all they see when they see us is dollar signs and whatnot um, but they don't really care about our community they are not conscious so i just i see an opportunity for what some of what we talked about with um chet sis yesterday about social entrepreneurship and um moving from um the business model of top down to a lateral uh business model to where it's a collective and whatnot. So yeah. Um 
If you get a chance, check out the recent blog post by current political uh, prisoner, uh, Jaleel Montaquin. Uh, he published, he regularly publishes blogs and whatnot, and I got one sent to me in the email, so I published it on Black Talk Radio Network. It's titled, Toward a National Coalition for a Changed America. Okay. Um, it's a very interesting article, and I'll just read briefly from it. Here's an excerpt. There are approximately 20,000 American families, plutocrats, who control 99% of the wealth of this country. That means 20,000 families through their various corporate and government institutions dictate the socio-economic destiny of over 300 million people, including that record number of 12 million uh, black people who are not in the labor system. Furthermore, subject to the corporate government foreign policy, this same number of families influences and dictates human conditions in the world via international forums like Bilderberg Committee, Davos, the IMF, the World Bank, the World Trade Organization, etc. Notwithstanding China's growing influence in this arena of geopolitical power, given this reality, it is incumbent on those interested in the development of the National Coalition for a Changed America to come to terms with specific aspects of the ruling class capacity to function and to oppose any substantial change. And so it's a fairly, um, fairly long piece that's just a, a short excerpt um also if you want to write him he is again a current political prisoner if you want to write uh brother jaleel you can do so uh his information is posted right there on that blog post in the blog section of on black talk radio network um dot com so i definitely wanted to mention that uh let me see uh, unfortunately, another unarmed man has been gunned down. I don't even think that this is in the killed by police casualty uh, report. But uh, a young man, uh, witnesses say, let me uh, pull this up for you so I can give you the information. This occurred in Smyrna, Georgia. Georgia again. Another person killed in Georgia. What, this the third person? What was the um, SCLC leader in Georgia saying? The Southern Christian Leadership Conference, longtime president, state president said that black people need to arm themselves and nobody's protecting black people. And so we need to arm ourselves to defend ourselves from all of these killer cops. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said. And that's a pretty big deal considering this organization, um, that he is a part of, uh, was founded by Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. But don't get it twisted because Martin Luther King Jr., for those who haven't heard my weekly commentary that was on Tanya Free and uh, regularly on the station this week, I talked about how Dr. King uh, gave in to the SNCC, the younger activist demands that, look, man, we're not going to be running up through Tennessee and Mississippi. We're not going to be marching down the road when they already then shot and nearly killed James Meredith, who started this thing. You know, he was going to march from Tennessee to Mississippi to promote voting, you know, re voting registration. And, and, and he was shot by a cop, shot by a cop. <laughs> yup, he sure was. So anyway, um, that's when Dr. King and others picked up, you know, uh, his efforts to to finish the march. It was called the March Against Fear. 
Well, you know, them young people were saying, look, man, we got these military veterans in this organization called the Deacons for Defense and Justice. And they are willing to, these are combat vets now, Korean War vets, Vietnam vets, whatnot. And they saying that they are willing to scout ahead, you know, armed. They're going to be armed and they are going to scout ahead for trouble. And, and they are going to defend us if need be. And Dr. King went along with it. He went along with armed, a armed patrol to protect those marching in this march. So Dr. King, as I heard other people say, was no fool. Okay. So all of these people, the rainbow coalition lady couldn't wait to distance herself from him saying, well, black people need to arm themselves and practice their second amendment rights. Here come the rainbow push woman uh, immediately distancing herself from those comments. Like he didn't say something so wrong and incorrect practice. The constitution second amendment was the problem. And, and I'm paraphrasing what she said, but she said rainbow push is not in the business of helping uh, or promoting the second amendment to black people. Rainbow push coalition is not interested in promoting black self-defense by any means necessary. I mean, she couldn't wait, man. So yeah. So uh anyway, in Smyrna, Georgia, 24-year-old Nicholas Taft Thomas, father to a beautiful baby girl who is barely five months old, he became a victim of the Smyrna, Georgia police officers who shot him down over some tickets. And, and so um a minor traffic offense, and one of the witnesses said, this is one of the witnesses, because I'm just re- reading this story. They were standing behind the car. They're talking about the cops. Opening fire. He wasn't driving towards them. Goodyear customer Brittany Estash told Channel 2 News at the scene. The car was not moving when they began to shoot at him. The car had been stopped. He hit curb. He he could go any farther, she said. So at no point was he making any aggressive moves, the reporter asked her. None. None at all. They immediately opened fire on them. I'm going to see if I can uh, pull up an audio report of this young man being pulled over, 25-year-old father, black father, want to know where the father's at of our black children. They're in, the, mm, they're in the morgue. That's where you can find a lot of them, in the morgue or on a prison plantation. So anyway, um, yeah, it's happening in Cobb County. We were just talking about, ain't that the same county where they gunned down that, that, uh, that, uh, uh, Afghanistan veteran? I was just talking about him yesterday. Can't recall his name, but he was naked and unarmed and they shot him and killed him. Come out, he was moving in a threatening manner. They're just out here to kill, man. So what they hitting the gym, what they got, uh, memberships to the gym for? You know, what they, taking steroids for because they ain't trying to fight nobody they ain't trying to manhandle or 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 anything like that they just want to shoot and of course they're claiming that they fear for their lives but as this witness state they were not moving let's see if i can get this video to play this will be the last thing i, I share as we get ready to uh prepare for tando radio show it doesn't look like this video wants to play y'all um, let me see. 
You can. I found this information on WSBTV.com. And as is usual, the video doesn't want to play. All right. Okay. So, yeah, that's it. That's the, today's program. Um, it is the weekend coming up. So y'all be safe. Don't let your guard down and whatnot. Um, sure, go out, enjoy yourselves, have fun with your family and friends, but just recognize you still live in a war zone. All right. And, and you need to always have full situational awareness about everything that's going on around you. Period. Whether it be, you know, getting killed by police or by a robber or rapist out there. Situational awareness, just being aware of your surroundings can literally save your life. It can literally save your life. So y'all just be careful out there. Don't be doing anything stupid. Don't be out there drinking and driving. You know, avoid arguments with people. If you get in a heated argument for those that you know, couples out there listening, if y'all get into an argument, you know, sometimes it's best to just walk away, go get some air or something and let cooler heads prevail. And, and cause we don't want somebody, your neighbors calling the police, you know, and, and reporting there's domestic violence going on cause they hear loud voice and then the police come and shoot somebody. We got to get along without having to call the police. Now we don't have to call the police each and every time. All right. We should stop that. And stop thinking, oh, we gonna show you. We gonna show you. I'm gonna get you locked up. And damn, I didn't mean for y'all to kill her. Man, stop calling the damn police. It ain't necessary all the time. All right. So yeah, I'll be back on the air along with Sister Mijo Whitlock on, uh, Sunday night with an episode of Political Prisoner Radio. Uh, remember, still y'all keep praying for Mamiya. He is not out of the woods. Remember, he suffered. He was in a diabetic coma, uh, poor health care treatment generally in, in prisons. But, um, you know, they just seem like they want the man to die, which they probably do because they sent him home from the hospital and sent him to the prison and he hasn't even gotten any better. So, you know, send him back to the prison infirmary or something. He hasn't even gotten it better. So his family reports that, you know, it's still touch and go. So y'all keep him in his prayers. All right. So we'll be on air Sunday night, Political Prisoner Radio. Make sure y'all tune in for information on our uh, freedom fighters that are locked up on the prison plantation. Peace and blessings to all. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.